Do you want to learn how to remote view? Now is your chance. The International Remote Viewing Association is offering eight weeks of remote viewing classes instructed by my friend Michelle Freed. Don't miss this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity starting Saturday, September 3rd, 10 a.m. Pacific. The course is only $150, and for members of the IRVA, it's only $110. Just visit irva.org slash events slash registration to sign up now. Welcome back to Forbidden Knowledge News. I'm your host, Chris Matthew. Tonight, I want to welcome Ryan Burns. He is a visionary, researcher, lecturer, consultant, paranormal property collector, podcast host, author of such books as Shapeshifter Territory and the Utah UFO Ranch. Ryan, welcome. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Chris? Very good. I'm very excited about tonight. I've been trying to get you on for a while because uh, we're going to be discussing one of my favorite places. Uh, even though I've never been there, I'd love to go with the famous Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, some of the extraordinary phenomenon that occurs there. The ranch is a hotspot for not only paranormal activity, but UFOs, anomalous lights, cryptid beings, and a whole host of other crazy activity. Um, and you've done some amazing research on the ranch. And for you, it all started with a super crazy personal experience that I'd like you to get into. Uh, first, just tell us a little bit more about yourself and then uh, the experiences that brought you to start doing the research on the ranch. You know, I was uh, just a fishing guide. Um, I was looking for holes. I couldn't work at the time. I was injured and... I came across that ranch road and I knew there, there were, you know, up above on hilltop, there's water coming down and I, I was just driving around. So it was a possibility. And, and I saw what looked like back then there was no gate, no gate at all. It was basically just straight open and it just looked like a county road. Uh, you could see the ranch house in the distance, but anyway, it was just a, just road. That's all it was. And and I saw like a elderly Native American kind of walking down off the bluff there to the right. There's a narrow area. Um, now there's, well, you can't get there now, but back then it was almost like a, you could, you, a clearing and then a, a trail. And it was, uh, you know, just looked like an elderly Native American. I couldn't tell if it was a male or female, really. And I rolled down my window. I heard some grumbling, door open, they crawled in. And immediately just kind of felt like my Rolodex was being run through like my uh, highs and lows of my life, like were being fed off of by this like arconic, you know, entity. And uh, I still never really got a good look at it. And uh, fast forward three hours, ran into some Bureau of Indian Affairs officers up at Bottle Hollow Reservoir. And... Uh, so fast forward three hours mean you had missing time? You like passed out? No idea. No idea. Don't know Absolutely. at all what happened. <laughs> Nothing at all. And well, what's the next thing you remember then? Uh, these guys were like tapping me on the, sh you know, waking me up, and and I, I woke up and I was kind of catatonic. They gave me like some tests, ran me through some tests, realized I was totally sober, and then they realized like, wait a minute. After that, I told them what happened. They said, "Well, you probably got nabbed by the Skinwalker." Were police and officers? They were uh, Bureau of Indian Affairs. Oh, okay. Very interesting. So they knew they, they said you probably got nabbed by a skinwalker. Very interesting. Right. First time I'd heard that interesting term. And, uh, you know, I remember on the way home, like I was just thinking, what is that? What is that? But well, all you remember is this person getting in the vehicle, uh, looked to be a native American. And then it feels like it's, I guess draining your or going through your emotions and, and memories. Yeah, really kind of, it really kind of felt like it was just sort of, uh, just running through, like just, uh, downloading or, or, or looking right through me, 
just reading me. I couldn't figure it out. And, um, but that roller coaster ride of like highs and lows was enough to like really get me into tears within seconds. So like within a matter of like a few seconds of this thing being in the car, I was just in tears and it was just raw emotion. I wouldn't say that it was scared or sad or happy. It was just everything. Now, before this, you hadn't heard of the term skinwalker or done any kind of research into this, right? Not at all. So what happens after that? I mean, uh, did you immediately just become super interested in, the, in what's going on around the area? Not necessarily. I sort of uh, kind of put it to the back of my mind, figured, you know, what's the use? Nobody's going to believe me anyway. And realized that, you know, I just kind of hit the ground running, kept working, uh, got a different jobs. When, when it really kind of hit me, I dropped everything and moved back to, to the basin. And, uh, when I was in a position to, and yeah, I just kind of researched full time for a while. And I realized that this is, you know, for lack of a better word, just magic happening all over the place. So you essentially, uh, you bought a property mainly to do this, this research, right? Yeah. Originally, um, I bought a couple. I've bought it. I've bought a couple. Originally, I bought a bed and breakfast that was in Duchesne and it uh, led to other things. And most recently, I bought a property that's there in Independence, which is basically, you know, Randlett, Fort Duchesne, Mighton area. It's unincorporated. So um, it's, a, it's a neat little area and I'm just happy to have a tiny little piece of it. And uh, you are, you're married, correct? Correct. What did your wife think about you uh, buying these paranormal it was properties? A, it was a tough sell. It was a super tough sell. I, I had to like, she was like, wow, this is like really serious. Like, this is like a serious hobby for you. And I'm like, yeah, this is kind of a serious hobby. <laughs> and, you know, um, but it, it worked out. She, uh, she understood the passion and I said, I don't know if I'm going to find one that has exactly these characteristics and traits that I want in this one. And she said, well, if that's the case, go for it. And the ranch is the phenomenon that goes on there. Um, it's, it's so hard to understand because there's so much going on. Not only is it paranormal activity, like I said, but there's UFOs, there's strange creatures, there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on over there. Um, and now they have um, certain corporate interests that are tied to the government that have purchased the uh, Skinwalker property to do research on it. And it just kind of, um, you know, if that doesn't raise people's eyebrows and get them thinking maybe there is really something truly to this phenomenon going on out there. I don't know what will. Yeah, you would think that, um, I can't speak to that, but you would think, you would think that like with the realization of things that have come out in things like the, you know, New York times, uh, with, uh, ATIP, OSAP, and some of the other programs taking place right there. And the use of, you know, it, it, it's very interesting. If that's, a if that's an area where they're going to localize intense studies like this, there's a possibility that it's, there's a reason. There's a reason for that. Uh, do you have any personal thoughts on adamantium research? Um, any thoughts about what they could possibly be doing there? Um, anything like that? You know, I think anybody that is researching this, it's a noble effort and trying to find truth for the sake of humanity is a noble effort because it's few and far between. So I think it's all good. Yeah, definitely. I had uh, Thomas Winterton on uh, a few weeks ago, and of course, he, he's in a, under a strict uh, NDA, and he can't say much at all, um, but that's why I am very excited to have you on, because you get to tell us about all your personal experience and research. So let's start with um, a little bit of history about the ranch. Uh, we all know that you know George Knapp first broke the stories um, in modern times, but how far can we trace back some of the activity at this uh, in this area? 
You can go back all the way to, well, 15 generations, according to the Ute and its members, uh, the elders, as far as written down logs and things of that nature. 1776, we had Father Escalante and Dominguez coming through and they logged very odd high strangeness and they saw things that for all intents and purposes were ufos so this was logged uh 100 years ago in duchene county uh landowners that got their lands from native americans realized that there were these underground sounds coming from below and they sounded like machinery and they said that, but back then there was nothing that could really do that. And this is in the newspapers of the time, a hundred years ago. So it's it, there's some interesting telltale history there. And uh, there are some legends that this activity all started with a curse that the Navajo put on the Ute, and then the Ute put on the Navajo. Uh, you know, kind of like a, a turf war type thing. Is that is that uh, you know correct based on your research? It is. It is. It's a, um, it, it, there's different variations, but more or less the, um, Navajo had quite a location near the San Luis Valley in Colorado, which is also a high strangeness location, which is interesting. And, um, basically they, they had a, they had a great spot up there in the San Luis Valley, the Ute for whatever reason, probably, uh, out of need necessity had to uh, work with the U.S. government and basically outed them out of that area and others. And this caused, this was irreplaceable damage. And so they released the quote-unquote curse of the Ute upon, I'm sorry, the curse of the Skinwalker upon the Ute. And it's, uh, the tales since then have been basically of these interdimensional spiritual hitmen that can, you know, do things other people can't. Let's talk about that. What uh, is a skinwalker? Um, and, you know, are these actual uh, Native Americans that are, that are using sort of spiritual occult practices? Or, or is it some kind of spirit or ghost or alien? You know, what's going on? What is a skinwalker first? Well, I can, when you, when you start to put it in a box is when it starts to elude you like what it actually is. It's such a raw form in my opinion. And that's all it is theory and opinion based on things I've seen and things that my brain tells me could, you know, equate to patterning, but it's so random. It's, um, it's almost spiritual in nature. I would say that it is a very elemental something that when you encounter it, it seems like a very elemental technology or magic or practice and it is also very powerful so it is uh trickster in nature and can uh, can just about assume the perfect form of something but not quite it's always a little off and it always leaves these little telltale signs that you you know like these signatures that you know that there's something not quite right about that so it shapeshifts mainly into different types of animals, right? Mainly into different types of animals, correct. And where it gets interesting is some of my encounters have incorporated other researchers. Ryan Skinner is one of them. And we saw what, for lack of a better word, was what appeared like a mist or nanotechnology or little nanobots or gnats or an amorphous, uh, you hear the smokeless fire, you know, of people who recall encounters with the gin. This kind of rang true as well. It was, it was this wispy, misty, you know, coalesce, this, this thing coalesced out of this. And uh, the first form it took was, in fact, a canine. And we saw it. We were in close proximity. And then just as quickly as it materialized, our fight or flight kicked in and we were about wow. to freak. And, so wait, hold on. You yeah. saw a mist turn into a canine. Correct. Holy shit. Literally, literally that is crazy. Literally almost like, you know, like a, uh, like bees, like a beehive, like uh, small things that are almost indistinguishable from each other. 
That is amazing. Now, have you ever met anyone that claimed to be a skinwalker? I have, yes. Tell us about it. And uh, it's interesting. You know, there's, there's bloodlines in the whole thing. It's, it's not just... You know, Elite bloodlines just... or like people at the top of the community? I, I can't speak to that, but I can say that there is a bloodline part to it. Of American? Correct. Correct. Very interesting. So in your encounters with, you know, skinwalkers, uh, you know, tell us about it. Uh, did they tell you any of the techniques or what are they doing or what's going on out there? A little bit, a little bit, but it takes a long time to get just a little bit. And that's what's so hard is it's like you have to take a long time to just get a little bit and then, um, but yeah, uh, all kinds of things, nothing that really like hits the nail on the head, but all kinds of passive factors that, that, you know, can kind of point you in the right direction. Things like it, you know, it's depending on the source and the power and all these things, like they don't necessarily change the way we think. And when I say we, I mean, you know, the mass media, the average person at home when they get off work and they turn on the TV, they think werewolf and how it changes, how it becomes. And that's the farthest thing from the truth. There's no like bone crackling and, and fur growing and, and any of this biological like transference. It is a lot more mystical than that. And uh, that's kind of bypassed by, by the mysticism. And it's, it's almost a type of remote viewing, really. Now, um, you know, are these, um, I guess, these Native American bloodlines, <clears throat> are they using ancient, um, I guess, occult magical practices to kind of transform? Is it like an astral projection type thing? I'm wondering if they explained any of that process to you. You know, it, it's... it's it's discussed differently than, 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 than scientifically. So it's hard to like equate, but from a spiritual sense, yes, it is a, an ability, an ability to bypass uh, boundaries and to, you know, it, it began out of need. It began out of necessity uh, when hard times were knocking. And it's like, I like a lot of things, you know, that are power, or related to power or can be used that are forms of power, it can be perverted. And, you know, with ultimate power comes ultimate perversion. So. Now um, I was speaking with James Keenan last night and he also does research uh, around the Utah uh, basin in that area. And he believes that uh, skinwalkers may possibly be using some sort of ancient technology. Have you given any thoughts to that? I'm, I'm a hundred percent along that theory. And the reason I say that is there's a lot of interesting, a lot of interesting dynamics that are similar in different cultures that you wonder how can these cultures possibly have the exact same quote unquote rituals, almost with the same words, candles, et cetera. And, you know, there was no internet. There was no, I mean, it's very difficult to, you know, I, I mean, very similar, very similar rituals with, circles and you know sigils and and they're similar and the interesting thing is it's not just that the encounters with the jinn and the skinwalker or really with uh there's a variety of, of of entities at this point you know in modern times but traditionally those those were both you know shape-shifting entities they could take different forms um, and I've heard accounts of some of these entities or this phenomenon actually following people home that have been in the area. Is this something you've personally experienced or heard about? Sure. I think it's an entity that being a trickster in nature, it, it tends to mimic and become situa like, how can I, situationally, uh, comfortable with different people. If, if it, if it feels that way, it will attach itself and follow that person for whatever reason, whether it's a positive reason or a negative reason. But regardless, if this is an actual entity or 
energy that is following you home. It's, it's an interesting dynamic. To me, this phenomenon, it seems like it can adapt to a person's consciousness to, to basically appear to whatever it wants to, to, uh, I guess a certain individual. Is that something that you've kind of found? Somewhat, yes. The, the observer is a key ingredient, if not the key ingredient in the soup. But at the same time, it is the entanglement or the display and the reason for the display that really kind of fascinates me, the, the connection and, and why the interaction is taking place. And um, also a lot of the accounts I hear is that whatever it is, it's, it feeds off of your energy, whether you're sad or angry or scared, especially it, it kind of feeds off it and reacts to it. Is this something you've encountered? Yeah. I always think back to like my remote viewing training and trying to keep your head empty, like a bowl of rice, but without the rice. And the reason is because, yeah, anything that enters into your mind can corrupt the entire program, quote unquote. And, you know, you start going down even just a little bit down a pathway that enters your mind and it may have, you know, entered your mind innocently, but it won't end that way if you continue following it. It's, it's like a very Buddhist, you know, thing of trying to keep no attachment to your thoughts and feelings and just, it just stay even keel, but that's especially important when you're dealing with entities of this nature, I think. Would you say they're somewhat like arconic in nature to where they're actually feeding off of this energy? Oh, I'm sure they're feeding off of it. I, I'm sure of it. They, they love it. They love the highs, they love the lows and they, they like those extremes. And so that's, that's a very interesting, interesting thing that's happening. Now, um, I'd like to start talking about some of the entities encountered. Um, first, the canine entities. There are just tons of different strange and otherworldly canines and dogs and just um, canines that aren't even, that don't even look like normal coyotes or dogs. Is that right? Absolutely. They are not. They are really almost uh, surreal looking and two, two big, you know, massive alpha predators in just way overkill uh, for w where they are. It's, it's something that's hard to explain. What can we do to fight back against big pharma and the compromised medical industry? We can become healthy and break free from the perpetual cycle of being poisoned by criminal organizations like most pharmaceutical companies. Come check out what may be the most powerful antioxidant known to man, C60 Purple Power. The benefits of C60 have been personally outstanding. I use it every day and I feel incredible. I have tons of energy, I sleep great, and I haven't even come down with a cold since I started using C60 over two years ago. You can even get C60 for your pets. Do your own research, click the link in the description, and check out their website. If you order from that link or use coupon code KNOWLEDGE10, you get 10% off your order plus free shipping. What is your health worth to you? Have you encountered um, any of these creatures, like a, let's say a bipedal uh, dogman type creature? You know, I have encountered things that go bump in the night, and many of them have been canine in nature. It's very strange that the canine is picked as the vehicle of choice by this, because the um, the way it looks. I've seen it a few different times, but the way it looks always changes. It's never the same, but it's always similar and it's very majestic. It's massive. It's, it's, it's just, you know, built for business is something that I heard recently and I'll steal that. Uh, but it's, it's, you can tell it's built for business. It can do whatever it needs to do. 
Um, what about the accounts of some of these canines or even the stranger animals being uh, robotic looking in nature? Those are some of the stories that fascinate me the most. I remember the first time I heard the story was from an elderly gentleman and he remembered being a young boy drive like with other friends of his riding along the Skinwalker Ridge playing around with his buddies on their horses and they would see these robotic dogs and these are kids 10 to 14 years old, you know, and just tough kids out there, just tough kids and and doing what they do. But they said that these dogs smelled bad, had pieces of flesh falling off of them. They were robotic in nature and, you know, would make strange sounds. Wow. Very strange. It's kind of like a, like a zombie dog. <laughs> Now, um, also, they have accounts of bulletproof canines. Can you talk a little bit about those? Yeah, the um, bulletproof nature, it could be, you know, some, some of these dogs are necrotic looking, and they don't look like they should even be alive, yet they move with ease and speed and agility. Others look magnificently healthy, so... I don't know what's going on, but the ability to actually take one of these animals down is seeming more likely to be impossible. And unfortunately, the problem is people are seeing large things like koi wolves, which are, you know, hybrids of uh, wolves coming down through Wolf Creek Pass down into the Uinta Basin and mixing, or it's called a koi wolf, but it's really a coyote, a larger coyote. But there's some interbreeding going on. And this is causing a problem. I mean, people just shoot before even thinking about it. And it, it, it actually turns out to be people's dogs sometimes. So I'm just kind of against that. And I think that needs to stop a little. But yeah, whatever these are, you can take all the shots you want at them. It's not going to do a thing. I'll have you or anyone you've personally known uh, tried to shoot at one of these? I have not, but I have had people tell me stories that are very moved by it. One was a caretaker that was uh, technically working as security at that point. And yeah, basically these three large entities that were man-like slash big uh, jumped over the fence, went down on their haunches. And uh, as him and another came down, both of them were armed. One of them was obviously the larger one, but as they, they approached, they went down on their haunches and when they stood up, they didn't know whether to take that as aggression or not. They'd warned them multiple times to, to leave or, and I guess a shot was fired and then it, it just unloaded and nothing, you know, they just went right back the, the way they came and jumped over the same high fence. So it's, it, I wasn't there, but it was a very emotional, you know, story that was told to me. Now, have you ever seen any other um, strange humanoids? You bet. Yeah, I've seen some strange stuff. Um, humanoids are difficult, especially, you know, on new moons when it's very active or, uh, you know, those are the darkest. So a humanoid can be very difficult to distinguish whether you see it through night vision or thermal or any mixture of those. It's, you know, the basic feature you see is arms, legs, and a head, but it's going to be difficult to tell exactly what that is and what it's doing out there in some of those areas. And it also, um, there's a lot of accounts of gray aliens, right? Yeah, there's, um, there's accounts of things that don't fit in the boxes. Yeah, there's accounts of, of those and of other uh, larger uh types of those and what they are i don't know they're they're mostly described as your typical gray correct 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 uh both both smaller and larger and it's it's difficult to uh know where they fit in the puzzle have you personally uh encountered any of the grays i encountered something that was a very tall uh, humanoid. I was, you know, with other researchers at the time, but I kind of stuck back. I wanted to get a good look at this thing and, and everybody, it was, uh, it was interesting because 
security is what was on my mind. And again, the as the uh, you know observer, you have to be careful how that how that equates. But this thing had a walkie-talkie, and I say thing, but it, it was a humanoid. It had a hat, had a little red light on the you know like a headlamp, and it was just about pulling it off, just about pulling it off, you know. Wow! It, so it was kind of like a shape shifting into like a security guard type looking humanoid. I mean, I thought it was security, and then I started doing the math, and I'm like, no, this thing is too tall, too skinny, too, it, you know, the arms weren't right. All kinds of things didn't add up, but it had all of the bells and whistles. So, so what happened? I mean, did, did you guys just take off or what? Yeah, the, um, I, you know, I didn't leave until it, it left. And that's the strange thing. We, it was like a, it's like a Mexican standoff. I was like, okay, if you move, you lose. So I just kind of sat there and, and sure enough, it just kind of started backing away and I backed away and and then it was just easier that way. But um, the, the other researchers ran, I mean, they saw, you know, they saw it. So that is crazy. That's enough to give you nightmares right there. Jeez. Now, there's also accounts of animal mutilations. And uh, another strange thing to add on top of that is the um, predators won't touch this. Like, not even the flies will go near it, right? That's possibly the strangest thing that I've run into. And it's these animals having property up there. When this happens, these animals, they just... They, they reach a point of deterioration where it just stops and nothing touches them. And this is an area where you can't leave a ham sandwich out for, you know, an hour. Something's going to grab it and it's gone. And I don't care what time of the day or night it is. And, and so this is strange that entire carcasses are just left alone for months. What kind of, um, First of all, what kind of carcasses have you found and what type of mutilations are, are taking place that you've witnessed or heard about? Um, all kinds of mutilations uh, from a long time ago, starting a long time ago, starting, I believe, uh, well, very early on. So uh, on, on my particular property, that's all I can really speak of is uh, we've found animals that shouldn't be there. We don't have any animals on the property. Sometimes we'll have, you know, cattle come in from like other, other ranches and, and hang out and that's okay. We, that doesn't bother us. But we've had um, strange animals that don't fit the ecology around there. And what's strange is they pile up in the same spots, uh, spots where this wouldn't be the ideal spot for whiteout. It's, it's just the weirdest spots in the open no brush, high points, very strange. And the variety of animals is strange too. And um, is some of these instances like um, surgical cuts and things of that nature? Yeah, yeah, they are. There's, there's uh, one case that it, it almost looks like a laser cut. It just, it's very strange. And, um, it's it's hard to explain. I don't know what it is. Now, um, I've also heard accounts of lizard and dinosaur beings. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Have you ever encountered anything like that? You know, the closest thing I could say that was even in that, not really. I know that uh, there have been some scientists in the area that have encountered things of that nature. I did encounter something that for all I can explain it as was a very large horned toad, uh, too big, too big to be a horned toad. I didn't know that till I looked it up later, but you run into this stuff all the time. People have encountered crabs out there that you would think were like ocean crabs, you know, black that again, something that shouldn't be out there. So it's, um, hit or miss. Now, uh, speaking of things that shouldn't be out there, that kind of makes me think of portals, which is another thing that I want to talk about. Um, let's talk about portals. Have you ever witnessed any yourself? Yes, you bet. And they're not as hard to witness as you would think. 
it sounds like a really like wild undertaking and that, wow, once you see a portal, your life has changed. It is changed because you're seeing raw energy form and then dissipate. But other than that, it's actually quite common. I honestly couldn't tell you how many times I've seen it. I've seen it with other people. Other, other people have seen it more than I've seen it. So it, it's, it's seen quite often, you know, people in the area, you know, a lot, I've talked to people that say, yeah, it happens, but what are you going to do about it? So describe a portal. You're standing there and all of a sudden a portal appears. What does it look like? Typically, typically these things are slightly off of ridge lines and they are, I would say about 12 feet off the ground is an average, but it, it ranges and it is, it starts small. So it starts with like a point of light and it starts to grow much like a fire would into a larger circular, uh, more bright and energetic like light source. And it's usually amber in color. I don't know why. And it can sometimes appear like it's a sunset or a dawn uh, in another place. And the color is interesting. That's kind of the giveaway that helps. And you have witnessed, um, objects or even entities coming in and out of these. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen lights coming in and out. I've uh, been able with a friend of mine, I was able to, uh, film. It was very cold, but we were able to film some lights going in and out of one of these, uh, or what it appeared to be doing that. Also, it's, these are in areas where there is no ambient light or anything like that, which is very interesting. And uh, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff that's been seen going in and out of them. Um, I've heard accounts of, uh, I don't know if it would be secret societies or just different groups of people doing occult rituals in the area. Um, is this something you've encountered or heard of? I've had some instances. Yeah, I've come across some, it's not my place to judge. I've come across some things, uh, sometimes with others. Usually, uh, it's, it's, it's a situation where when I come across it, I just back away. I don't continue to watch. I don't, you know, just keep walking, uh, scenario. And, uh, I've come across some things, but I, I, it's a very real thing. Absolutely. can you maybe describe like one of the rituals that you came across that it looked like a satanic ritual or, or what was it? Um, I remember that the, there's been a few, I would say, I wouldn't call it satanic, maybe more of a vision quest. One of them I came across was awkward because I was actually with my mother and it was, uh, and people in the car that I didn't really want, you know, it was just kind of like not supposed to go this way. And it, it went this way and it was a, uh, it was a guy, you know, uh, hanging from some, some stuff over a, over a fire and he wasn't burning. He was moving and he wasn't burning and, and, uh, he was still alive. And as we slowly drove by, um, I believe, uh, there was a man in the back of the car, an elderly man. And he said, yeah, that, that's not right. Wow, man, that's crazy. And you've seen, you know, a few of these, right? Um, not, not, a, not a terrifically large amount, but I have seen another situation where I was told that something was going to happen. And I went to that location, looked where I was supposed to look over a, over a cliff. And sure enough, there were these three, uh, people and, uh, they were doing exactly what I was told they were going to do. And they were in a circle and there was a small campfire with in the middle. And as they moved in and out and were saying what they were saying, more or less like a mantra or a, or a spell or a, or an enchantment, a dance, this, um, this little ember in the fire just grew like, uh, as they leaned in and out, it would, it would pulsate and get larger and smaller. And, that's when I realized that there was a lookout close by and uh, where uh, I was supposed to look for it and I missed it and I got out of there. But yeah, it was a very real thing. Wow, that's crazy. Um, another thing I want to talk about is anomalous lights or 
flash drones, lights that kind of chase people. I know you've personally encountered this. Uh, can you tell us about that? Sure. They were very common, and uh, they're not as common anymore. The, um, the, what we would call the flash drones, these things that would cover massive amounts of territory when they were off and then turn back on. And uh, they were always off the ground about the same amount. They would kind of weave along these ridge lines. How high were they? They, uh, they would vary. They would definitely vary. Um, I would say anywhere from 4 to 12 feet was the average. But they could they just they could, look like lights, just uh, light bulbs in the sky. Pretty much, pretty much like light bulbs in the sky, and and they would they would kick out about a forty five degree beam, which was strange, or a hundred and eighty degree. No, let's see, I'm make sure my math is right. Anyway, this pizza sized beam, what you would consider, and about a forty five degree beam, and it uh, it was very interesting because it would you could tell it was looking at stuff scanning the ground and then it would go off and it's like it was anybody's guess where it popped up next which was really exciting but you never knew and you had an experience with someone else where you kind of got chased by some of these right yeah they can cover some ground they could cover some ground i don't know what kind of technology this was uh the best i can tell you is it's probably not ours probably not ours uh, can you tell us, uh, you know, what ha happened in that um, particular scenario? Um, the closest description I can give you is, well, we basically got flashed. It found us. We were in a little crevasse or a crack in some rocks, and uh, it was above us, directly above us. And the best description is three metallic balls that were reflective and not really connected, but flying in, you know, a triangular shape in a form. Very interesting. Um, something else I've heard rare accounts of, um, but I'm, you know, I haven't had any anyone confirm anything about this. But uh, have you ever heard of any uh, illnesses coming out of the area, like um, you know, um, a multitude of illnesses or cancers or anything like that? You know, it's one of those things, is the area causing these illnesses or is it the bad luck in the area that could be, you know, multiplied by 10, depending on your energy levels? Um, is there an opposite? Is, you know, are there people that are getting better? I don't know. There's, uh, it, it, I have heard tales, quite a few of uh, unfortunate medical situations and bad luck from a health perspective. I've also heard tales where people feel energized like their batteries are recharged when they're in the area so it's it's a difficult it's a difficult thing to gauge now um you for your own personal experiences um have you felt uh you know just different um energetic areas where you feel a different sense of energy or uh, overwhelming emotions or anything like that you know, personally, when I haven't been there for a little bit, I, I do feel when I get back in the area that I am totally recharged. Uh, by the same token, I also get that reminder that it's time to go, you know, that, <laughs> but it's a magical place. Uh, I do, there is an energy there that is hard to describe, but the majority of people I think who enter the area having not been there before would agree that there is a slightly different energy there. Now, some would say it's, you know, all malevolent all the time. Some would say it's a mixture. Uh, like you said, it's magical. Um, you know, do you get a sense that there is a malevolence about the energy at times? I think it's a possibility just like anything. There's, uh, you know, unfortunately, we're pointing at something we don't know exactly what it is. And we're trying to not only describe it, but then like decide, hey, is this a nice thing or, or, or a not nice thing? And there may be multiples of these entities. We're not sure. And nobody knows. I don't know for sure if, if this is one all-encompassing, all-omnipotent precognitive sentient intelligence that is interdimensionally tied to all of these things like an octopus, or if this is, you know, just the ultimate shapeshifter in that case, 
or if we have a multitude of entities that are just kind of on the same playground. Uh, have you ever experienced any uh, magnetic anomalies, uh, problems with um, electronics or machinery? Absolutely. Uh, this thing can drain batteries faster than anything, no matter how many you have. And uh, by the same token, other times everything is fine. It can, it can do things that are unbelievable. Um, something else I'd like you to uh, talk about is disembodied voices um, or, you know, hearing voices speaking in different languages at times, just when you're out, outdoors in the middle of nowhere. Absolutely. A few cases have happened uh, to myself and others. I've always been with others. And these, these voices are more or less, they sound ancient. They have like a ancient language and they're mimicking you or they're talking to you or they're talking about you. You can tell that you're part of the discussion, if not exactly what they're talking about, but what it's saying, no idea, but there's definitely a conversation. Yeah, and you said it's, at times it can sound like an ancient language, and then other times it sounds like they're just trying to mimic a, you know, human language, the modern language, right? Right, right. Like if, if I was thrown somewhere and I had to mimic something, uh, that's how they sound, you know? Like this is not their cup of tea, but they're willing to give it a shot to see if they can engage. It's fascinating. Um, uh, what about the, uh, invisible helicopter? Uh, can you talk about that? Yeah, it's, it's for all intents and purposes, it almost sounds like a blade of some sort going through the air, but it's silent, uh, when it goes past you. So you can hear it coming and I've, I've had times where you hear it actually go past you and you can still hear it. But then I've had other times when you hear it coming and then it just goes completely silent. Sounds much like a helicopter but I can't, you know, I've never seen anything that would say that it is a helicopter. Uh, what about underground noises? Yeah, the um, machinery sounds or the humming or the clanking, uh, very strange stuff in the weirdest places where you would never expect it. And, you know, it'll, the same way it starts, it stops. And, you know, it, there's just no explanation. Do you think there is any level of, um, I guess, black operations or military involvement, uh, maybe underground bases uh, causing or interacting with some of this uh, phenomenon? I can't, I, I can't speak to any of that, but I do believe that there are some projects and possibly some toys that are being played with out there. Yeah, I would have to. I would have to agree. Um, talk about the controllers or the watchers. What is that? They are very similar to like what you just discussed—the uh, disembodied voices, kind of that presence, uh, something watching you at all times. And um, the controllers is is again like it's, you know, when you hear those voices too above your head, it's almost as if there's always two conversing, which is also very strange, you know, and it, it just, it, it, it's, it's, it's very strange. It reminds me of like the old men that were very grumpy on the Muppets, you know, up in the booth above, just complaining about everything. And you had no idea what they were even talking about. And yeah, there's just conversation going on and no idea what it, what it, what it has to do with. Um, also they're, uh, along the same lines, they're shadow beings, right? Yeah. You can get these amorphous blobs that can turn into these shadow beings and, uh, the same, just plain shadow beings that will walk around some of these areas. And they're, they're some of the creepiest. And, uh, you, you've personally encountered some of these shadow beings. In Duchesne, Utah, I did encounter some of these. Uh, I had guests encounter them and family when they would come to the place, but I, I only encountered them personally through what cameras caught. I never actually saw one, but other people would see them. So I know that it's a thing and it's happening all over the basin. Uh, speaking of cameras, you have t 
tons of footage of this stuff, right? You know, I don't know if I would say tons, but I have a lot to go through. Sometimes I'll send it to my friend in Missouri and he won't like me very much for a while. But the thing is, you know, I don't know if that is the key. I don't know if, you know, catching it at all angles with cameras is necessarily the key. It's been working so far, but I don't know if that's the key to finding out what this is. Um, you know, what portion of everything we've talked about so far, um, what percentage would you say you've actually caught on the film or camera? Um, the portal, I haven't caught any, any, uh, let's see a shadow being that's been caught. Um, strange anomalous lights in the sky, but a lot of people catch that. It's, it's really, it's one of those places. It's a lot like the Gilliland ranch where, you know, it seems out of this world until you go and see it. And then all of a sudden, it's just a part of reality. Uh, what is a Cthulhu slug? You know, this is, a, this, is, this is one that I'm not as familiar as I probably should be, but it is basically a evil uh, snake-like, serpent-like uh, creature that is blamed with all kinds of things, whether it's... Uh, sea serpent type things in Bottle Hollow where people have drowned. Um, there's been tales down in the southern Utah, Utah as well of similar things and uh, of these desert slugs as well that can burrow into the uh, earth. So it, it's kind of just an icky, yucky creature. Uh, there's also reports of a, a ghostly or even demonic little girl. Yeah, you'll get uh, demonic uh, sounding, uh, almost uh, cries for help. And also uh, water babies, which sound like children in distress near waterways. Oftentimes these sounds come from waterways, the trickster sounds, and I'm not quite sure why. Maybe that's just where the coyotes hang out, but that's where they come from usually. But don't go towards them. It's best to avoid them. Yeah, you said water babies. Uh, what, tell us about the water babies. Yeah, it sounds like a baby crying uh, near a waterway, usually a creek or a river or an irrigation canal. And yeah, let's go check out an anomalous baby crying under some waterway in the middle of nowhere in the Skinwalker Ranch, yeah. Right, and what's weird is they don't sound... They're, they're, they're loud enough to get your attention and draw you in, but it kind of stays at that, you know, that volume as it's getting you near where it gets... It doesn't... You can tell there's something anomalous about the sound. Uh, have you ever encountered or anyone you're, you personally know encountered um, uh, a Bigfoot or any other cryptid like it? Yeah, uh, Terry Sherman, uh, to go way back, he encountered <clears throat> what, excuse me, he called a uh, large Shaquille O'Neal looking fellow. And, and, you know, I loved his description, but and others with visors on their heads and some with uh, moon boots and, you know, in these craft, in these pastures, I mean, just large, large human, but Bigfoot almost looking features. Uh, have there been any more recent accounts of any of this? Yeah, you bet. One location um, where I was able to take pictures of what I thought were just bugs going up and down into the sky in spirals. I thought it was some weird bug mating ritual or something. I was taking pictures of it, never seen it before. As I left and it just had my cell phone, I saw three craft in the sky uh, um, above these. And in that same pasture on another occasion, there was a large, for all lack of a better word, just a big, big, big boy walking through the, you know, and it's, it's hard because it's so difficult to like call it one thing or another. And they're seen quite often, especially in the white rocks area, other parts of the reservation. Did it have like hair all over its body? Yeah. Um, usually they're very dark, so it's hard to tell. And, uh, in they're just hairy. They're just, it looks like a guy in a fur coat. I wish I could remember who it was. I was listening to somebody describe a close-up encounter with a Bigfoot, and he said the noise it made was terrifying. It actually sounded like a baby crying. 
Have you ever heard anything like that? That I have not, but that, that would be terrifying. Yeah, definitely. Now, last night when I was talking with uh, James Keenan, he said that you would be, you and him would be doing some research with a magnetometer, I believe. Yeah, that looks like that's the plan. Now tell us a little bit about that. What is that gonna What is that gonna show? You know, he's really the um, the mind behind that, and I'm not. So he he would know better how that how that equates and all that. And uh, I I probably would not do it justice. But I'm very intrigued and interested, and I think that it's a very possible part of the puzzle. Now, um, <clears throat> speaking along the lines of. Uh, magnetic anomalies i know there's a lot of theories that it could be some type of uh you know granite or mineral underground that is causing this um have you done any research or heard anything along those lines yeah there's there's things that are in the area that aren't found anywhere else on the planet like gilsonite and there's veins of that as well as other anomalous uh characteristics that are geographic in nature so there could be some of that involved here. It's, it's difficult to tell. And I, I really hope that the research everybody's doing leads to more answers. Now, um, after all the research you've done, um, you know, I know that there's still so much that you don't understand. It, it is still just such an anomalous phenomenon but what is your overall assessment as of now? Um, I like the way you put it, like an interdimensional octopus that kind of controls all these little things. You know, that's, that's what I kind of think of, that it may be this one consciousness that uh, can manifest into whatever it wants you to see at the time. That's what I lean towards. That's just my personal theory. It just feels right to me. You know, what are you leaning towards at this point in your research? You know, the more I do, and this is the part that's tough. The more I do, the less I lean into anything. I, I take it in and that's about it. I don't, I don't, I don't lean into it as much as I used to. Now, um, are you working on anything in particular now with uh, the research? You know, just um, unconventional stuff, nothing, nothing major, and uh, just trying to think out of the box and engage it in some kind of uh, playful interaction. And that's about it. And I heard you say in a podcast that you want to kind of have a safe haven for these entities to, to kind of exist, right? Yeah, it sounds crazy. Um, but I, I don't know what it is. Kind of like we were getting back to, we really don't know what it is. We don't know if this is just the way that it interacts. You know, we see it as malevolent because it's a trickster, but it could be the only way it can interact with us. And when you think about being in that position and how difficult it would be for us to interact with something in another dimension and do so politely, that is, you know, that brings a whole other uh, set of questions. So I don't know. I'm not sure what it is, uh, but it is very dynamic and intelligent. And we're living in fascinating times right now just because... Um, all this research is kind of coming to the forefront. You know, they are having the the History Channel uh, special about the adamantium research that's being done. I'm I'm hoping that they actually have some revelations that they can talk about that'll be you know mind blowing um, after all this time of waiting. Um, but it is it's a fascinating time we live in and thank you so much for coming on tonight that was awesome awesome information uh before you go let everyone know where they can find um your website research any books anything you got going on social media stuff like that you know um sure uh a few, couple, the books it's pretty easy the easiest route would probably be go amazon it's the utah ufo ranch and uh shapeshifter territory and as far as adamantium, I'm so excited. I think they're, you know, I'm, I'm all for it chart, you know, full speed ahead. The uh, future projects, um, you can also catch me on social media at uh, Space Wolf Research, but it, under Facebook, it's SWR and uh, SpaceWolfResearch.com. You can also check out my podcast at HeroParanormal.com. 
Very good. Ryan, excellent information, and we will have to have you back on in the future. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Take care, Chris. Right now is the most critical time for us to take back control of our food supply and become self-reliant by having our very own food forest. Transform your yard into a food forest and create a system of self-reliance that's easy and enjoyable with our friends at Food Forest Abundance. No matter where you're starting from, you can become more self-reliant. You can take your self-reliance to the next level by becoming a producer of your own food through growing and foraging. Learn how to turn your property into an income-producing source of economic self-reliance. If you're ready to go off-grid, click the link in the description and use coupon code FORBIDDEN for discounts on your very own food forest with Food Forest Abundance.